Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Malani. My guest today has travelled between the veils of the spirit realms. Caroline, welcome to the show. A lot of people would say that word and or that phrase that I really don't like when hearing a sentence like this, <laughs> woo-woo. So what would you say to those people about your experience? Well, that's okay. That, that's all right for them to say that's woo-woo. It, it, it shows that they're, they're at least commenting, they at least got some kind of interest. Um, and even if it's one that's uh, a bit negative, it's like, oh, yeah, but you want to know more, don't you? <laughs> All right. So then they say, OK, yeah, maybe I do want to know a little bit more. What's this Middle Earth stuff all about? <gasps> Middle Earth. Well, everybody, of course, immediately thinks of Tolkien, don't they? And Lord of the Rings and all of that quite often. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I remind them that actually Middle Earth came well before Tolkien. In fact, Tolkien was very inspired by Middle Earth. You know, uh, it was the, the Dark Ages, the times when we didn't have much information about who, who we were then, a documentation on uh, the, the peoples of that time, that age. Um, but that was... That was that our Middle Earth language came from that time. So we live in Middle Earth. We live in, in the UK, in Ireland, Europe. You know, this is Middle Earth. Yeah. That's the name, the original name that is, is, is part of where we come from. So. Middle Earth wisdom is we're, we're, we're looking at the wisdom um, from that time, some of the old crafts, some of our ancestors' teachings, some of the understandings we might have had at that time. And the Middle Earth medicine then is, is literally what is the medicine needed for this Middle Earth now? Yeah, what, what is the medicine we need now? Not, not as in bottles and pills and, you know, pharmaceutical stuff, it's like, what is the medicine we really need for our spirituality, for our growth, for our inhabitants on this middle earth? And I see that as definitely reclaiming a sense of our spirituality, as some of our old crafts, some of the ways that we understood the world to be, nature, the environment. Um, a lot of mental health problems tend to come through people not feeling fulfilled, not engaging with the soul, so much soul loss in society. And this is something we need to reclaim, I believe, because we're very unhealthy without it. You talk there about soul loss. If someone's listening and they haven't come across this phrase before, they're not sure what you mean when you say soul loss. How would you explain that to them? I would say have... have you ever heard the phrase of um, feeling soulless? You know, we, we use that quite a lot. You know, so I'm, I'm feeling soulless. I'm feeling empty. 
I'm feeling unfulfilled. Um, I'm, I'm not sure who I am or what I'm meant to be doing with my life. Something's missing. Yeah, that's soul loss. Yeah, when, when we're not fully embracing and engaging with our true identity, we're living in the shadows or our shadow self is, um, is acting out all the time or leading the way in the, in the, you know, the backseat driver telling us what to do all the time. We're not listening to our, our, um, our authentic self. You said there the, the shadow self and the authentic self. These are, well, certainly the authentic self is a bit of a buzz phrase these days. The yeah. authentic be yourself. And a lot of people might think, what do you mean when you say that? To be honest, I think we're always being our authentic self, whether we're down in the dumps or whether we're on a high, you know, whatever's going on, everything in between. It's like we are always being authentic to our particular story in life. You know, so if I'm, if I'm really depressed or, or low, you know, that's my authentic nature in that moment. But what I'm really talking about is, is that the part of us that we were born to be. So I believe that, and, and, it's, and it's, it's like this in most shamanic teachings and understandings is that we're all born with a sacred contract and we come into the world um, complete with that. So little baby, you know, beautiful, pure, innocent little being. Yeah. Well, you know, they're born with this light that just, we just like, you know, just want to smell the baby's head. It's just like, oh, oh, you know, but they are, they are so gorgeous, you know, and, and, and you, you just feel that love in your heart. Well, they're, they are, they're complete. They've come into the world utterly complete um, and, and pure, innocent, golden-lighted beings. And then over time, of course, you know, it, things start to happen. You know, maybe there are some, some, you know, strong pieces of conditioning or maybe there's some um, dysfunctional parenting maybe there's some trauma whatever it is and it could be very mild it could be quite extreme but that light is going to start being diminished you know the first time your mother looks at you um, with a disapproving look you know you fart you burp in public you, you, you've got a smelly nappy you, you haven't eaten the right food you've picked something dirty off the floor mother looks at you and scolds no 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 what happens? You know, the child immediately has that conditioning of guilt or shame or, oh, I'm wrong. I'm not, I'm not good. They don't understand that it's the behavior that's not good. They can't go, oh, well, it's just the behavior that's not good. So I need to change my ways. So, oh, I'm, I'm bad. So that little bit of that light starts to switch off. Yeah. And go inward. So the soul goes in, 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 like deep, deep within us. And, um, and, it, and, and then something else has to take its place. So we put the mask on or we, we come, you know, we use our shadow self. I often call it the understudy. So it's this understudy, like in the theater, you know, you have somebody who's learned your lines for you in case you can't make it on the day. Yeah. So this understudy is then stepping forward and going, okay, we're going to behave like this. That'll please mother or father. You know, oh, that'll please my teacher. So I'll behave like this. I'll be the good girl and it'll be okay. But the little part of you inside is going, that's not me. You know, I want to argue against those ethics or I want to say no to that, what that teacher's saying to that other child. Or I, I want to speak out about this situation. Yeah. It is okay for me to eat that sugary sweet today. 
Absolutely. And then you have the disconnect inside. And I mean, you're certainly telling some of my story here. That, and I have a wonderful mother, but I've had those experiences where I did want to argue and say, that's not okay behavior. And inside, I know that that's not okay. But hang on, you're telling me that it's not okay for me to know that it's not okay and to not say anything about it. And then you have this tear inside, which one do I go for? Because if I don't go for that one, I might lose the love and I need the love. But hang on, what about the internal love? So we have this twist. And you mentioned the understudy. That's one of your archetypes, I believe. It's, it's not actually one of the archetypes, but it, all the archetypes that I work with in Middle Earth Medicine and in, in the membership that we have and, the, and working with the Oracle cards, there, there are um, nine minor archetypes and and each of those has their shadow energy or their understudy yeah so they all have a, a certain quality that they are themselves and that we want to bring forward but they also have a shadow energy that we have to watch that doesn't um control the outcome of things so so we're working with that alongside the archetypes if you take that into communication then because of course this has got to be all about communication with the self, with spirit. And what would you say? Oh, maybe that's the wrong question. Let me think. How would you relate this and your archetypes to communication? To communication? Well, to start with, I always work with communities. You know, I, I like to, I mean, obviously I do work one-to-one -one with people as well. But, you know, to have groups of people sharing their experiences talking about how things are for them, their, their experience, the strengths, what they've gained from working in this way. We're always inspiring each other to, you know, we listen, we learn to really listen and to really learn about ourselves. But we do it through communication. Sitting in circle together and sharing your experience is an incredibly valid thing. But trying to lock yourself away and do it all by yourself and, you know, analyzing and thinking it all out, we can't do it that way. We need each other to bounce off, you know, to bounce off each other with that. So a big part of our work is to find our own individuality, but then to really communicate our story, to tell our story to others and to have others listen. So for me, you know, I've written my story, um, I've, I've published books on it. Um, you know, I've, I'm always sharing my personal experience. I'm not afraid to do that. You know, it, it's really important for me to be able to share that because I know it's going to help somebody else and has helped others. So I really encourage people to speak out, to share their stories, to let people know what's going on for them. Be with the right kind of community. Have those kind of conversations. So I have a 13-week a online course. People come to that. And one of the most important parts of it is that they meet in between the times. They connect, they have conversations with each other. And that's part of the tasks and the exercises that they have to do in order to meet the requirements of the course. And that encourages community. It's all connected. Community, commune, conversation, all those things. Yeah. And not to be in isolation around these things. Lovely and connection and communication and commune is all connected within those words. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, I said that in, in my TEDx talk, everyone has a story, 
that when shared, empowers others to have the courage to share theirs. And it's incredibly true. It really, really is. You said that you share your story. Does that mean that there was a disconnect for you somewhere along the way that brought you into this work or what happened? Oh, absolutely. If I hadn't had some kind of disconnection, I wouldn't really have a story to share, probably, because it's taken me down some deep, dark places and also some you know, places that I wouldn't necessarily have chosen to go to if I wasn't struggling in my life. Um, I had to go away and really heal. In fact, I went to Ireland and spent many years there finding the dance, finding creativity, finding some kind of community that I could express myself with. And I think that idea of community, it's not just any community, it's a particular kind of community we have to find. It's a place where people are going to be in conversation and share their stories in a way where they can fully be heard. Not where with people who are going to say, oh, I, I, I've got a pro- I, I've got a I've got a solution for you, or I could make that better. I can rescue you. I can fix this. You know, you have to really stay away from community like that or conversations like that that you have with people. We want to be able to talk in depth about who we are, you know, really go in deeply and, um, and, and, and forget the superficial for a while and just be heard. Because if you're not being heard, it's very hard to share that part of your story. And we fall into the victim story. Very, very easily as human beings, we can fall into that victim place. Now, we're all victims in some way. There's there's a victim part of us, of course, you know, and it's not to to push that away. It's just say, you know, until I get to that place in myself where I can start to heal, start to grow, start to share my story, start to find the uh, solutions for it and the medicine for it, then, uh, you know, falling back into victim is not going to serve me. I need to move forward. And that's what my, or my intention always is in my, for myself and for my clients and my groups. It's like moving forward. Let's move forward with this. And what we need for that, I believe, is creativity. There's not enough creativity in our schools, in our, you know, in, in our work you know it, it it's pushed aside as something oh yeah that's just a hobby you know that that's a hobby for another day for the weekend you know but actually it's a really important part of spiritual growth because quite often we'll find spirit soul whatever we want to call it god you know higher power um natural forces the universal energy we can call it whatever we want but something, when we let go enough of our own ego and put ourselves out of the way, something will come through. And whether it's paper and crayons and paints or sculpting or gardening or mathematics even, mathematics is creative, everything is creative. But if we can put away the thinking mind for a little while and just let something come through, let God through, let spirit through and create from that place, we're going to learn a lot more about ourselves as individuals and what it is that we have as medicine to share with others who might need it. The medicine part, I, I mean, I, of course, prepared for our conversation and I had a couple of things to say that I wanted to ask you about. But I want to come to the medicine and the education part of it a bit later, if that's OK. You said something there which forms a huge part of the work I do with my clients which I think is incredibly important in today's society, if society is the word that we want to use. Make sure you're in a place 
where you're being hard. For those who are maybe not used to being hard and don't understand what it means to be hard, how would you say they can recognize that they're in a safe place where they are truly being heard? Yeah. I mean, of course, there are people who aren't used to being heard. Absolutely. And there are people who, you know, have had very difficult childhoods. Nobody's ever listened to them. Um, and it takes somebody with some expertise to be able to be with them, not to try and fix again. You know, there is this tendency to say, well, you should do this, or maybe if you did that, or that would be a good idea for you. Yeah, it's just to, to listen and say, I hear you. And to be intent on listening to whatever that person needs to say. And they might be coming out with a load of, of absolute rubbish, you know, sort of complaints and um, everything's wrong with the world. But gradually, and I've sat with people like this, gradually, when they start to realize they're being heard and, and they can take off that mask of, you know, that, that sort of um, denial of their own goodness, in fact, all the world's goodness, and that there is something better than just complaints and being the victim and everything's out to get me kind of thing. Uh, they can just, they, they, they'll start to feel it. They'll start to feel that you are listening, that you are hearing them and everything they're saying is valid for them in that moment, for you in that moment, you're being heard and everything you're saying is valid. Yeah, because it's, it's usually people will dismiss that. They'll say, oh, you're wrong, or they'll argue with them or try to bring them back to something different. But they just need to be heard. And you quite often find people who can't shut up, <laughs> people who just talk, 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 talk about anything superficial, complaining about the weather or whatever. Instead, just want to be heard. But they don't know what else to say because nobody's taken the time out to sit with them and really hear what's going on in their heart to hear the emotions, to not try and wipe away the tears when they cry, to not try and calm down the anger when they get angry, you know, um, and just allowing, allowing for the fears, because behind all of that is fear most of the time. It's, there's just fear there. There's a little child saying, I'm hurting, and I want you to sit there and be with me and hear all the crap I've got to share, but then eventually I'll come round to, oh, thank you for hearing me. And, and just being there, it doesn't matter what this person's been saying. You know, I've, I've had, yeah, you know, I have six children. So, um, and, and I've had, you know, a lot of tantrums to deal with and a lot of upsets to deal with, but I've learned a lot through having those children and just sitting with them and letting them have their tantrum, letting them go through whatever they need to go through, obviously having some sense of a boundary about certain things, but uh, generally, you know, it's just, they need to be heard just need to be heard. And then we move on and get on with our day. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Sometimes you just need to get it out. And as you say, within a boundary, but yeah, get it out of our system. You feel better. It's, just, it's kindness. It's, it's having kindness for people who are suffering. That's what we need. You talk about the inner child as well. And you bring up a memory for me there. I think I might have shared this with you the last time I was talking to you about when I got my first soul part back. I was 17 and I'd had an operation on my throat at 16, which recurred. I ended up going back into hospital again and then my throat started to swell again. And my mum said to me, Christine, would, would you just come and try a shamanic healing session? I was really sceptical then. 
even though I believed in the fairies and magic. But I thought, well, how is that going to heal me when the hospital couldn't heal me? <laughs> what a lesson I learned. And then when I went into the healing session, there were a number of people I hadn't met before. And one particular woman came to me and described me at the bottom of a tree at 11 years of age. And she said, she wants to come back. I was agog looking at her. I couldn't understand how she could describe my favorite place, what I looked like, everything. So that, of course, started the journey of changing my belief, which kind of healthcare I would choose first. But to take this back to what you said about the soul parts and, and that soul loss, do you think we lose it? Because I love words and I often think when people say some words sometimes and I start to look into them, I wonder, is it really the truth of that meaning? Now, I know I'm talking a lot here, but I'm thinking things out, I think, at the same time. What I mean is when you think about Gabor Mate, I follow a lot of his work and he talks about when the parent suddenly snaps, like in anger, the child gets a fright. The child sees a very different being in front of them and they don't understand what's happened. Where he would say that there's a detachment there. And Michelle McEwen, whom I mentioned before, would say we don't really detach. We always remain whole. It's not about returning to wholeness. It's about rediscovering uh, that, that flow, that connection again. Um, maybe connection is the wrong word. So when you think about soul loss and what you talk about here with being heard by people, whether the soul is lost, lost being lost and gone forever, or lost took a wrong turn and needs to reroute back. When you're being heard, is that something that helps to bring the connection back to that soul part or is more needed? I think it absolutely does help. And I always talk about, you know, those, those dimmer switches for lights, you know, I, I think it's, it, it, we're a bit like one of those, you know, our, <clears throat> excuse me, our, our dimmer switch is being turned and our light is gradually going out, yeah, till it might get to a point where the light is, is, you know, has gone pretty much, but it's always there, you know, you know, it's always there, yeah, there is a light within us all. And once we are being heard and seen, you know, that light can start to gradually creep up again, you know, and start to, to come back to life. Now, sometimes there are very, very traumatic experiences in our lives. Things do happen. They've happened to me. You know, they've happened to a lot of my friends and my clients. You know, we, we recognize that there is trauma that we experience. But I often think that part of that trauma, you know, it has its own journey we have to go through stages to release some of that. And one of the things that I believe is that our soul contract that I spoke about at the beginning already knows what that is. That's part of the package that we're born with, that we're going to have a particular core wound that will be ours. Now we'll have a, a core wound and we'll have an aspiration and you know, what we aspire to. So when granny or granddad says to you, what are you going to be when you grow up? You know, they're, they're representing back in sort of tribal culture, indigenous culture, the, the elders who looked after the village's children and steered them towards their 
purpose in life. Because they could see in the little child that, oh, oh little little Billy, he, he just loves picking up stones and throwing the stones. He's going to be a, a reader, an oracle reader. <laughs> you know, he's a little magician there. You know, he's reading the stones. Um, it might be that, um, you know, the, the granddaughter is particularly interested in um, digging, discovering bones, or oh, there's, there's a, or the old buildings or something. Oh, there's a, there's an archaeologist in the making, or I don't know. I'm trying not to be um, too sort of male, female here and think, oh, the little girl, oh, she's sewing all the time. And all mm, oh, the little boys yeah. playing football. Oh, he's going to be yeah. a footballer. She's going to be. Well, we've got a seer and yeah, an archaeologist yeah, so far, so I think we're going to be careful about that sort of thing these days, haven't you? But it's it's like, what did the children? What what were their greatest um, kind of ambitions, or not ambitions necessarily? But what were their hobbies? What did they love? What were they passionate about? So you've got this this um, aspiration to be something as they're growing up and to follow that. Well, most of our children these days are put onto a curriculum in a school and everybody has to do the same thing. Well, back then, no, like you, you did the apprenticeship to what you loved. Now, if you've got that aspiration to grow into and you've got the support of your elders holding that space for you and encouragement, and you've got your core wound, right? The wound that you've come in with. Now, I identified my own core wound as there's something wrong with me, yeah? That was the message I was getting as I was growing up. There's something wrong with me. And I've got all sorts of little stories I can share about that, about how that came about, how I started to recognize that. Um, yeah, I was weird. I, I was a strange child, you know, but ah, show me more about that <laughs> yeah, and tell me. But my mother had some very odd ways of dealing with that, but we won't go into that now. But there was my core wound. There was my aspiration. There's these two energies, right, that I am growing up with. Now, my traumatic events, abuse, you know, some quite serious, um, very, very difficult relationships around sexuality and um, being a woman in the world, were all rooted in part of that that core wound. Yeah. But I had to find the solution for that. I had to use my aspiration to help me grow with that, to survive with that. And dance was the most important thing for me from the age of two, three little records going on, dancing in my living room, being sent to ballet school, wherever I could go, I was dancing. I had to dance. It was my life savior. Yeah. That was my solution for growing up in the world and living. Now, I, I meet people who have the same kind of core wounds, yeah, and and others. Um, and my solution, my offering, my delivery system has been dance and creativity. I also love to write as a little girl, and I have a very strange story about my mother. Um, you know, she 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 sent my brother to school. He came home. He could write his name. She was like, oh, instead of oh, great, wonderful. You know, he's learned to write his name. Oh, no, I'm such a bad mother. I should have taught him to write his name and more before he went to school. Wouldn't I have been a great mother to have done that? So before I went to school, three years old, paper, pens, pencils, you know, you're going to learn to write before you go to school to show what great mother I am. She's told me this story. So it's data. I know it. It's factual. I'm blessed. She's long gone now. But, you know, she's uh, she shared that with me. But. What it, it, rather than be a victim to that, oh God, I was really struggling. I was really suffering because I hated it. You know, I wasn't. But I learned to write a particular way, poetic way. 
you know, made up my own sentences and words and things. And I got very creative with my writing. To this day, my books, I've written and published seven books, um, and they are very poetic in their delivery. You know, I, I speak quite poetically when I'm delivering my work and all that sort of stuff. So that was a great teaching for me, even though it came from a quite a wounded place. Yeah, it turned it's turned itself into my delivery system, my offering to help with other for other people to survive some of the difficulties that they've experienced in childhood, to turn away from the victim into a prosperous, fulfilled offering that they can make for others to share, whether it's workshops, classes, going into schools, working with children, whatever it is, they can then feel fulfilled because those two things have met, the core wound and the aspiration have met. And this is, this is the energy field that we need to be living in and with inside us. Yeah, I'm, I'm fulfilling my soul's purpose. I'm fulfilling my sacred contract. These energies have come together. I'm whole. I'm, I'm being the person that I was born to be. Does that make sense? Moments of pause. I'm a big advocate of moments of pause, particularly when gifts have been shared. And I think what you have just said is a gift. It sounds like the work you do is life changing for people. It, it, it is. That, that's my intention. I mean, that, that's the symbol, do you know? And it's called, it's called, it's called a mandala. Two circles that overlap. Oh, a Venn. <laughs> and I see a Venn diagram. That's the business studies head coming out in me there. Well, you see that there's a, there's a, the, the two circles overlap. And what's in the center is an almond shape of light. That's the light. That's the energy field. When these two things meet, pow. There's this incredible light that glows and it shows us up. It shows up as who we are. When I can stand fully in that place, not be pulled from one to the other, but stand with both, then, you know, my power comes through. You're all about empowerment. For sure. Uh, we were definitely meant to connect. Months ago, I think maybe sometime last year, I wrote a post on Instagram about my light having been dimmed and then I was turning it back up. So the fact that you've mentioned the dimmer switch, you know, it certainly can happen. I was in quite a traumatic relationship for six years and came out of it at the end of 2021. And as I healed or began healing, I started realizing that my light was dimmed in a way I never thought it could be. But like you said, I had to experience it. And I don't think this is the last time we'll be having a conversation, Caroline. I'm very glad we've crossed paths. Oh, it's lovely to connect with you, Christine. It really is. So just before we finish up, I, I did mention listening to you talking about the medicine for the times we're living in today. And I know you spoke briefly earlier about that and you gave an example that it wasn't medical medicine you were talking about. And what I think I understand is that the meeting of the core wound and the aspiration that you mentioned is is our medicine, like my medicine or somebody else's, the gift that I can bring to the world? I think so. I do think that because when you think of, of some of the, the struggles that people are having today in themselves, you know, we can reach for a pill or a bottle of medicine or 
a drug or a bottle of something or, you know, go shopping or fulfill any addictive pattern. Um, we can do that or we can sit with the pain inside and just go, okay, there is some light here. How am I going to turn that light up? Now that's as good a medicine as or medication or, you know, than than something you're going to get from the chemist shop, I believe, you know, and I, I work with, with the shamanic, you know, shamanic work, which is, you know, to use that word shamanism, you know, that comes from other lands. It's not native to this culture. So I would call myself a medicine woman or a soul worker. I call myself a soul worker or a soul doula. I'm interested in the soul of people and helping to, to turn up that light in them. So that's what I work with. So the, the shamanic nature is, is one of soul retrieval. And a shaman would see it in a very different way to how I'm seeing it today, possibly, in that the soul does literally leave the body. Yeah. And we have to call that back in. But that's one way of looking at it. You know, the, the, the soul leaves the body. We're, we're looking to the sun. We're looking to the light. We're calling back golden balls of light into the body. And that's, it's just, it's, they're just different perspectives on how things work. And that's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't really matter so long as that person is going through a good process and they're being supported and, and finding the truth of who they are and, and then being of service to others who have experienced some of those issues or, or difficulties. Um, then that, that is medicine. It doesn't have to come out of a packet. No, I'd agree with you there completely. Yeah. Like we were saying, or I think I said, it can be tough medicine the pill can be hard to swallow and it hurts and that's the thing for people to recognize i think once we start on that journey it hurts you scream and you rock and you cry but wow at the end of it that's where creativity is so helpful and dance you know moving the body because if we can learn to trust the dancer, trust movement, trust that emotions will come up and it's okay if we can move with them, not shut down with them, but be in a space with others where they can just find their release, you know, then, then there, is, there is healing in that. It's just going through that tunnel and then finding the light at the end of it. Um, but it's it, you know, trying to do that on your own is not, you know, with that kind of communication, that's not necessarily going to work because you're likely to fall back into old patterns. And what we want to do is change the pattern. So we, so we also want to find different actions that will help us to, to, to grow from that place, which could be as simple as picking up the phone and having a conversation with somebody. That's why I have in my courses and groups, people have each other's phone number so they can make a call. I'm feeling down in the dumps. I need to move out of this, have a conversation, you know, talk about it with somebody and then have a little plan. What am I going to do differently then? Oh, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a swim or I'm just going to go and sit by a tree and, and have a chat with it. Or I'm, I'm going to dig the garden or paint a picture. Something, oh, I sing a song. Yeah, sing a song. That's what I do. I play exactly. My yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So do something you love and that helps. But it's hard to get out of some of those low places, those low mood places without something to exchange it with. Yeah, especially if it's not a practice, like not a long term practice to be able to move yourself out of there. Yeah, or just something you love. Yeah, 
something you love doing that brings joy to your heart. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely resonate with the soul being lost. Let's see, lost to be found. Okay, we won't go into the semantics right now, but it being moved out of the body and coming back in. Because I've done now soul retrieval twice at two different stages of my life and had two different soul parts reintegrated. I recognize the fuller feeling inside my body after that work, how I feel more whole, like you said earlier on. Uh, I think I have another one to do from the last few years, but it's a conversation we can have offline. To bring us back to communication, when you think about connected communication for people who are listening, and we may not have used the word a huge amount throughout the conversation, but everything we're talking about is communication with the self, the world around us, with our experience with others, and learning. As I talk about in the work that I do with clients, you know, I have four pillars of awareness. The first is the self, the self and then the brain and language and culture. But it all starts with the self. And sometimes that work, when someone comes to me, can take up to a year to do the first recognition of the self and the brain. But you mentioned briefly earlier education and how we're put in a box in the school and told to learn this phrase. I heard you mention in an interview I listened to rote learning being made to just learn this, apply it here, but don't worry if you don't remember it for the rest of your life because it's not really relevant. I know you acknowledged that school works for some people, but you said if we had sole advisors in schools, education would be different. What do you mean? How do we bring soul advisors into schools? It's going back to those elders of the village, you know, those ones who will sit with the children and say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you love? What's your greatest joy? And to notice what the children are interested in. Yeah, not going in and saying, well, there's this job, this job, and you could do that job. You've got the qualifications for that and that, but not saying what's in your heart. And how many children end up, or young adults, end up going into jobs that they've got no interest in, but because the, the careers advisor suggested that they did that. Now, there's nothing wrong with careers advisors, but I think you need a sole advisor alongside them. Ah, there's a, yeah. there's a coaching school in the Netherlands, which I believe is still running. And that's what they do. Children have to they even build their own desks from their own designs. I mean, there are schools. There's definitely schools in the making that, that are starting to acknowledge some of these things. Of course, there has to be, you know, we, we're getting wiser in our, you know, in our, you know, the ages as we move on. We're recognizing this, but we have a long way to go in particularly in, in where I am anyway, you know. It's, yeah, I think a lot of places. But do you think we're getting wiser or it's just the spiral? We're going back to realizing, oh, maybe we knew what we were doing a few thousand years ago. The reality is I don't, my children are not in school anymore. My, my youngest child is 29. So, you know, the oldest is 45, is he now? So, you know, they're, they're doing adult things now, working and all the rest of it. But my grandchildren are going to school, you know, they're starting out. So I'm hearing certain things and going, oh, it's none of my business. It's your child. <laughs> I'm staying out of it. But, but my children were influenced as children. They were homeschooled part of the time till they wanted to go to school when they chose to go to school they went to school when they wanted to drop out of school they dropped out you know I was that kind of mum you know I'm not going to force my children into doing something that they're, that they're really not happy with 
but I did watch them throughout everything that they did, like what were the things that they loved. Somehow I had this innate understanding with the children that this was part of their journey. And I was young then, I, was a very, I had my first child at baby at 16. So, you know, I was a very young mom, but I, I remember always having this idea that, that, you know, what they're doing now is what they're going to be doing for a lifetime. And not just the thing that they're doing, but the quality that they have. So it's a lot to do with the quality that the child is bringing through. And then there's their delivery system. And that can be attached to many different things, but it, it's got the same quality to it. It's got the same feel, the same expression of their soul within it. Yeah. So my one son, little kid in water every day. We live near a river. He was just a swimmer, you know, had to be by the water. Then boats, kayaks, you know, and then, and then surfing, you know, he became this amazing surf dude, you know, he's a gorgeous fella. And, and then, you know, he's teaching kids to, with this beautiful quality of soul, teaching kids to surf and then making films about surf and, and outdoor training stuff, you know, that you do with kids outdoors and really lovely, lovely stuff. Now he's making films that, that filming of that has led to him filming in other places as well. And he's doing great. You know, he's really talented and he's just followed his own passion throughout his life. My other son started playing, dropped out of school, started playing guitar at the age of, what was he, about nine, 10, picked up his brother's guitar and started playing. He's the most fabulous musician to this day. He's utterly amazing with his, his guitar playing. It still got other problems. It's not that life doesn't bring difficulties and problems with it all. And how many artists can actually make a living from their craft, from their art these days? You know, a small few. There were so many very, very talented artists out there who do not make a living. And that's what Middle Earth Medicine first was first all about. You know, it was it's about that creative being, finding our own true quality and then having a way to bring that into the world. So we track round the wheel, the wheel of soul's return. And we look at all those different stages from the sacred contract through the innocent child to the spirit rebel, finding your own identity, the, um, the, the apprentice to your own life story. We have to apprentice to our journey, not necessarily an institution or organization, unless that's a big part of it. But who am I? What, what have I grown up with? Who, what's mine to bring to the world? And then the artisan, the creative, get creative with what you find. Be the thespian, the actor on the stage of life, ready to present your gifts to the world. And then the sovereign self is that full reclaiming of light. I know why I'm here. And this is what I'm bringing. This is what I'm in service to. Yeah. And then we have the sacred fool and the wise elder who are always at the sovereign side, who are always there to kick us up the backside when we start to abdicate or when we start to show off too much. And the wise elder who says, ah, you know, I've been there before. Yeah, I'm going to guide you. Remember, you're in service to the children. You're in service to the children, not your own ego. Yeah, so there's these, these archetypes that I mentioned before, the nine archetypes that we work with. They each have their shadows, but um, yeah. This is what we're working. This is what we're looking at. And I've learned all of this from my children. And that's the wheel of souls return that you're talking about there with the archetypes. That's part of the work you do in your gift to the world, your medicine, isn't it? Part of my gift to the world. And the mandala sits right at the center of this because we have to bring these two worlds together. Wow. 
And it's part of your first few episodes of your podcasts. The first, they were the first episodes that I heard. I do go through those in my podcast. I do. Okay. Now I know we have to finish <laughs> and thank you for staying longer. But now that you've talked about them at the beginning or before we started, we ended up talking about these cards that you have. And I practice with my own cards. I allow the cards to guide me, but of course the guides guide the cards that pop out. But your cards are really beautiful. I'm looking forward to getting my own set. They're all designed by you, isn't that right? No, that they, I, they were in, we were in conversation together. My mother-in-law, Brenda, we were in conversation around them. She's an artist. She, she started painting these when she was 83. Oh, wow. She sat in her studio working. We, we had these conversations. We talked about the process of them and why these archetypes and why the resources, why the different tools and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, she just began painting them, each one individually and, and starting to work with them. And, and I just decided I was going to let the artist in her find the expression of them. So it was only once or twice I said, you know, I don't think that's your best work. I think there's something else that wants to come through here. And um, I just let her create with them. She, she finished those after, I think it was three, four years that we, we found a completion of them. Um, and, um, and then the cards were all printed and the book was ready. And she wrote a piece for the book as well. Um, she died last year, last November, after her 90th birthday. Um, and, but she's still very much her presence and her spirit are so with the cards and the artwork. You know, she's been a real gift to us all because of that. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It's a beautiful story. And it just adds so much more strength to, to those cards and depth. You pulled the seer for me, but I didn't hear you mention it when you went around the Wheel of Souls. So where does it come in? The seer is right at the center of the wheel. So the seer is is there this is at, this is at the center of the wheel right so that so there there are there are the other archetypes as well so they've got the nine sort of minor arch, archetypes and then the major so the seer is part of the major but also we have a hunter gatherer who is hunting and gathering our life story we have the warrior and the ally which is the spirit warrior who's uh, not afraid to go into some of those dark places and and to work with things that come up. So it turns every uh, challenge into this opportunity for growing. Yeah. And, and the ally is our life story. So we become friends of our life story rather than a victim of them. And then we have the magician and the priestess. And those are the, the qualities, the archetypes needed. These, these are called overseers. They oversee the work. You have the seer at the center, at the core of what we do. And the overseers are our soul self spirit self the um what we might call the um higher self that observes and watches is quite detached from the actual story but is is there witnessing seeing hearing supporting so the magician and priestess are the qualities we're going to need for our soul work and the magician is the the planner the the, the strategizes the work that we do puts things in place the 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 high priestess priestess is is the one who you know, we'll, we'll just observe, sit back, allow the work to flow, even when we're in our most difficult places. It's like, okay, now you've got to go through this. You know, doesn't interrupt, doesn't get in the way, but is that kind of silent observer and, and yeah, just um, allowing, allowing. So if I hold a dance class, for example, 
or a workshop, I've got to strategize certain elements of it, make sure the place is safe, you know, and clean and those sorts of things and have, do my marketing, all that kind of stuff, you know, work it all out. And then my priestess quality has to just, you know, step forward a little bit. So, okay, all of that work is done. Now, what, what am I being guided to do in this moment? Yeah, and to just to follow that and allow people to have their experience to just be present with whatever's going on and trust that. So handing it over to spirit as much as anything. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. I definitely think we could talk for hours. I feel like this has been a sort of introductory session for me. I feel a bit bad, but thank you so much. And before we do go, I have two more questions. One is the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, and that is about the title. The podcast is called Connected Communication. And I'll just take a moment here, if I may, actually, and, and speak directly to you listeners. To those of you who keep coming back and listening every week, I really appreciate you, first of all. Thank you. To those of you who've already messaged me, who've left reviews and comments, thank you. To those of you who haven't yet reached out, maybe you're not ready yet, that's okay. But I would love to feature some of your thoughts on what connected communication means to you. So please review the podcast. Or if you prefer, send me a message through my website or find me on social media and share your thoughts. They do matter to me. So, Caroline, what does connected communication mean to you? Well, it means having a connection to the person or the people that I'm communicating with. Um, it means, you know, that there is that c communing, communicating, speaking but it's also very much about listening. You know, it works both ways, you know, the listening. So if I'm going to communicate with others, I've got to be prepared to really listen to what comes back to me. That's really vital. Um, I think that, yeah, that's the most important thing for me regards that the ability to really listen. Thank you so much. And the last thing is, how can people find you? How can people find me? You can find me on middleearthmedicine.com. You can find me um, on TikTok. I've started a new TikTok at Caroline Carey 62. That's how old I am. Um, I, I'm having a lot of fun with TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, Caroline Carey Dance on Facebook. Um, and um, they can email me. I, I'm really happy to communicate with people. I like it, you know, so um, yeah. Uh, that those are the places that you can find me online. You have a podcast as well and a membership, I think. Isn't that right? I have. Well, the membership is part of the website. So you can find the membership on my website and it's on the homepage there. There's a link to it. And uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful platform where we, we meet live on Zoom and we have a lot of creative projects that we work with. And uh, there's there's all sorts of documentation on the work that I do and videos and recordings that you can watch. You can start with the membership, it's just five pounds a month, you know, and then you can move on to the triad two, which is more in depth. So we have two meetings a month, one which is two hours, really in depth work with some movement dance and creative tasks. And then there's a lot more information on that site as well. And you can go on to doing a, a training with me. So you can train in the work, which is triad three. And that's meeting in person. So we do the actual training together. So people learn to hold a space with their particular craft, um, but using the ethics and principles of Middle Earth medicine. 
So there is all of that. Um, membership is fantastic. And my podcast, I'm loving my podcast because I get to meet lots of really interesting people, one of which is Christine Milani. And uh, I have lovely conversations with them about their soul purpose. And you can find that. It's called Soul Purpose with Caroline Carey. And I believe I'm on quite a few different podcast platforms with that. Well, it's a beautiful podcast. And it's been a gift to be able to meet you because of it. All our links will be in the show notes. Your links, my, my links. And listeners, I can't tell you what to do, but if you've taken anything from today, may I urge you to check out Caroline's podcast, get yourself a personal set of her stunning cards and her book, start practicing for yourself, or of course, connect directly with her and begin practicing on her membership or with her. Or if you've begun your journey already, use the cards to support you as you move forwards towards the next stage of finding the connection between your core wound and aspiration i love this this is going to sit with me for a few days now definitely it's been such a gift to speak to you to listen to you to hear your wisdom to learn from you and to open up some things that i think were waiting to be opened up within me and that i possibly thought i had already opened up i'm truly grateful to you caroline yeah you're most welcome look up magic of mandola yeah, it's a really ancient symbol. You'll, you'll love that information. Yeah, I had a little tear there when you said that I showed up as the seer, at least for today anyway. I'm really, I'm looking forward to reading more about that. Thank you. There's no more really I can say, but the deepest thank you. Oh, you're most welcome, Christine. That was really lovely to connect with you. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Likewise. So listeners, this has been Carolyn Carey of the Soul Purpose Podcast and Middle Earth Medicine. You do what you will with what you've heard today, but I hope you've been able to take something away that allows you to reconnect with yourself, connect more with others, and keep working towards finding that dimmer switch and turning it up higher and higher every day as you trek your journey forwards. As always, please like and share the podcast send me in a review. It really does help. Podcasts aren't uh, as socially connected yet as other forms of social media. So when you review it, Apple thinks people like it. And if you do, it really helps me so that I can keep it going and particularly bring on incredible guests like Carolyn. Remember also that if you're working in English as an additional language, teaching English pronunciation and speaking skills, preparing to host a podcast, or if you're just someone who likes to be the best and wishes to excel in public speaking and presentation, that you can still join the Phenomenal Presenters platform with a 50% discount and get access to the public speaking skills that were once reserved for the upper classes, which I have now made available to you, the ambitious, able masses. It is not going to be this price forever. I promise you that. Caroline, again. My deepest gratitude and thanks. Until next time, Banak T, August Buikas.